We're in a series that is not one of those series that are, um, you know, really happy, happy, woohoo, because it's, but it's stuff that we need. Every once in a while, we, we got to talk to ourselves about just things to take care of business. You know what I'm saying? We need you to take care of business. So now this is one of those. We're talking about getting past our past. And uh, everybody in here has got a past. We all have one. I don't think anybody's perfect. Your halo doesn't light up your house at night. And mine, you know, we don't have that either. So we're looking at that. In the first week, we talked about overcoming labels that bind you. In other words, maybe somebody's called you something since you were a little kid. Or maybe a parent has labeled you. Or, or you got a nickname that you never liked. Or kids made fun of you at school. Or you labeled yourself. I'll never be able to do this. I've never been coordinated or I can't do that or whatever the case is. We talked about getting past that. Last week, we talked about why should we and how do we forgive those that have hurt us? We've all realized somebody has hurt us sometime along the way and we need to get past that. So how do we actually forgive people? Sometimes, you know, they don't want forgiveness, but how do we move forward? So we talked last week about that. Next week, we're going to talk about overcoming, you know, maybe you've made a mistake or personal things that you just need to correct in your life or forgive yourself about something. And so we're going to deal with that. That'll be the last in this series. Today, we're going to talk about something that's not talked about much in church or anywhere else. But let me just ask with a raise of a hand, how many have either had somebody lie to you, disappoint you, betray you, hurt you in some way? I see your hand. All right, and let me ask you the same question. How many have done those very same things to other people? Let me raise, you know, some of you know. So the problem we have is lying. We have to deal with that real quick. <laughs> We've all been on both sides of that coin. And so I want to talk today because, it, it, you know, it's one of those things. We need to walk in health. We need to walk in freedom, and we need to walk without being reminded of everything you've ever done wrong. How many hate that? And that doesn't help you heal. It doesn't help you do anything. So it's really easy to admit a lot of times when we have been offended, but it's hard for us to admit when we were the offender, okay, when we have done something wrong. And so um, we're going to look at some of that today. So how do we forgive those that have hurt us, but how do we deal with forgiveness that we have to, we need for ourselves or that we are asking from someone else? So what do we do? Matthew five twenty three and 24 says this, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. It's interesting as we look at this, because I can't think of really any other places in the Bible where uh, something is taking priority of coming to the altar. I mean, to really get what you need to get done here at the altar. So this is before you worship God or and this is, again, this is a reference referring to your heart condition. So we're talking about, you know, is your heart pliable? Is it soft? Is you're just like, you know, I don't want to go on this way, or I need to reconcile, I need to get this right. Um, so that's what it's about. It's, it's about yourself. You know, you, you can walk in a fog. Um, why would God put that, that first? Is it important? Let me just, let me say how important it is. For you to, to really be free and to, to minister or allow God to minister to you, you, have, you worship him in spirit and in right. And so as we come to the truth, then we are able to let his spirit saturate us so that we're at a point where that's where forgiveness and everything can flow, where hope can flow, where togetherness can flow, where reconciliation can flow. But if you don't do that, then it's, it's hard to to go on 
because you don't feel that. Does that are, are you with me? Uh, I'm trying to make I'm trying to connect that dot with hopefully I'm doing I'm failing at it miserably, but I'm trying here to connect it. Uh, why would God want us to put that first? Uh, let me just let me just tell you, like my boys, I've got two boys. And when they were little, Zach and Sam, uh, we we loved to wrestle. We were wrestlers. I I wrestled with my nephew, uh, Matt, who he's not here today, but Matt was classic for how many remember Jimmy Superfly Snuka? Anybody? Okay, wrong generation. But yeah, a couple people. Just pretend that you remember. How many pretend that you remember? All right. That's not lying. You're pretending. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Matt off the couch, airborne, four feet, landed right. I'm just laying, watching TV, hands behind my head, on the ground. Every ounce of air in my body said, time to go. <laughs> and so anyway, I'd wrestle with my boys. And sometimes, you know, we'd just start, we're going to wrestle. And then, you know, then Sam would say, you go first. Or I'm going first. Or exactly, no, I'm going. And you go, no, you, I'm, I'm no, 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 I'm going and they're, I'm going first. And they're in this war of who's going first to wrestle me. And I had to stop them and say, now stop it. Stop it. Stop slapping your brother. Stop it. And then you guys make up. Kim would always make them. One time they, they, they were fighting against each other and she made them like stay together. They had to be like together the whole time for like two hours to do everything except bathroom. <laughs> but you know. And, and but we would always make them make up, hug, you know, or say I'm sorry. Tell them you forgive him. I forgive you. No, tell them like you mean it. I forgive you. You know, I mean, the kids were doing all kinds. Of, you know, why are you doing that? Well, the principle was this: because you can't really go forward until you do that. It's the principle that God's trying to say. You can try to put me first, but if you are all like this and everything that the enemy wants to put on you is on you, you cannot really worship me the way that I, you cannot be free. And so we want you to be free. So we got to deal with this. So if you help me today, we're going to get through this. It's going to be good. You're going to get out of here and go, yes. And so we'll be all right. So God is just basically saying, I don't want you to come and do your church thing. I don't want you just to come. You know, we get saved a lot of times when we hit the parking lot. If you're ever going to have strife in your house, it's usually Sunday morning. A lot of times you get up, you kids, you get out of bed. We're going to we're going to learn about the love of Jesus. Now, get up. You know, and you get and if there's any ever a day they want to sleep in or they want to take their time, it's Sunday. And and then, you know, arguments start and you come into church. And when you hit the parking lot, a, a wonderful haze of glory hits your vehicle. And you're like, oh, how are you blessed and highly favored? I'm good. You know, you could have been just telling your kids when we get home. Oh, man. You know, so we, God is saying before you do that. Before you just fake it. And I'm not, I understand sometimes you got to do some things in faith, but I'm saying, I'm tired. Are you? Don't you want to be free? Don't you want to say, you know what, God, I just love you with all my heart. I'm not saying I didn't make mistakes. I'm not saying, but I am saying, God, you're bigger than that. And for me to get to where you're at, I got to get this thing. All right. So say amen to that. So if you have no intention of reconciling, you're probably not going to like this message. All right, but we have to walk in love. The Bible says God is love. We honor God when we honor his kingdom and his way of doing things. 
You know, that's what righteousness is. A really easy definition is God's way of doing things. God's right way of doing things. That's righteousness. When we live by God, we do it God's way and his right way of doing things. Matthew 5, 9. This is Jesus talking, saying, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you a peacemaker? Interesting, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. Both are needed. Now, granted, I mean, I, I think we have to be peacekeepers and peacemakers, but I want you to hear what the difference is. There's a difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. A peacekeeper sometimes will avoid confrontation to keep the peace. Does that make sense? Sometimes that's needed because you have to choose your battles. Depends on the situation, depends on where you're at. Sometimes it, it is just better all around because the whole atmosphere of the room, how many know what I'm talking about? You meet with people maybe two, three times a year at a holiday. You are going to be a peacekeeper. So you understand that. And there are times even in, in uh, relationships or whatever, you need to be the peacekeeper. I get it. But a peacemaker is different. Uh, peacemakers embrace confrontation because they want to make the peace. In other words, let's get this thing dealt with. Let's move on. Let's let's confront it and let's move on. Jesus is saying, go and, and make peace. In other words, we have to do our part and let God work on them to do their part. If you're going to be a peacemaker, you're going to do your part and let God work on them to do their part. The greatest enemy to peacemaking is pride. Pride is the biggest enemy to peacemaking. Don't elbow the person beside you. That's rude. The greatest friend to peacemaking is, is the opposite of pride. It's humility. In other words, it's just saying, I don't like this. You're not, you're not saying, I'm right, you're right, you're wrong, I'm right. You're just saying, this is more important that we get this fixed. Humility. If there's tension in a relationship, it's usually because of pride. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. You're going to say you're sorry. Don't you tell me. I'll tell you. You better quit. Don't you look at me with that tone of voice. Mm. It's not all my fault. And maybe that's true. Maybe it is not all your fault. In most cases, that's probably pretty generally true. It's usually not all one person's fault. Well, I'm not going to apologize first. They did it. That's pride. In almost every relational struggle and people that I counsel with or talk to, there's not one person at fault. There are two people at fault. Even if the other person is a massive jerk on steroids. I'm just saying. Uh, there's two people. Um, they're still part of the problem in some way. They still played a part. We have to each own up to our part. I can't be responsible for the other person. They can't be responsible for me. That kind of thing. But the Bible says to do what we can or do what you can. All that's possible for you to do and you can stay at peace with those that you love. You might say, well, Brett, I only did 1%. They did 99% of everything wrong. I did one. Still part. And that could be true. And let me just say, by the way, percentages are never good to give out if you're arguing. Just for a little help. Don't go to your spouse and go, well, you are 98% guilty and I am. That will not get you... Cocoa Krispies or anything. <laughs> Nothing. So you just be, be aware of that. Uh, work it out. Now, this is, let me point this out. We are all wrong in some way. I mean, we're in, none of us are perfect. We've already talked about that. When I talk with people that uh, are going through something, it's amazing to me that I always seem to talk to the innocent person. 
The other one is the jerk. I'm never talking to the one that's, that did the problem. I'm always talking to the other. And why is that? Because it's hard to see ourselves in the mirror. Um, pride makes sure of that. And, and, and really, in a lot of cases, I, I'm not saying that that's totally wrong. But you just got to understand, there's two sides and there are two, thing, two people. And it's, it's very tough, again, for us to admit. It's easier to say I've been offended than to say I've been the offender. Uh, to be the one I've caused that pain. I, you know, that's no fun. That's no fun. So pride makes sure of that. Humility says, I played a part in this too. I was wrong as well. I'm not saying percentages. I'm just saying I played a part. You know what I'm saying? They're not trying to say, here's my part. Mine's like this and yours is like this. So I'm, I'm guilty too, but of course I'm not really guilty. Like you are guilty. We're not doing that. So humility is saying this. So what we're saying is I want to stay faithful with God. I want to humble myself. And when you humble yourself, this is what you do. You lift up the relationship higher than you. Um, and even if you feel you're right, that's tough because sometimes you almost not even feel it. You know you're right. You're like, I'm right. Don't go it. I'm right. But you're going to have to lift up the relationship. You're going to say, I love this person more than getting the last word in. I love this person and this relationship more than having to say that I'm right. See how quiet that is? Because it's hard, but we need to understand when we are working on being like Jesus, you know how many times he had to keep his mouth shut? I had somebody tell me this one time. They said, well, he was Jesus. He could never sin. I said, you better read your Bible. Because listen to me, if Jesus could never sin, then that was not a great sacrifice. See how quiet it is now? Think about what I just said. The Bible says that he chose to be with the Father. He chose to not, I mean, he, he did all that and not sin. How many understand what I'm saying? And so when he was sacrificed, that's why he was the, the perfect lamb. But he was man, was he not? Could he have sinned? But he did not. So here's why the sacrifice is so great. We have to understand that Jesus is in your corner going, you can do this. But how many times would he had to say, oh, you know, there's you know, there's even times when he's like, how long am I going to be with you guys? I mean, there's times, you know, he's frustrated. I'm just saying, can you not stay awake? Could you not just I mean, come on, cowabunga, dude. Could he not? I mean, you know, could, come on. And, he, you know, how many times did he have to deal with Peter? Peter, put the knife down. you got to say, I love this person more than I love myself. I love them more than just being right and proving and trying to grind them in the ground. I love and value this relationship more. There was a story of a pastor that one of his things was he would never hire another staff member from another church. And a staff member from another church was leaving that church and came to the staff of this pastor and wanted a job, and the staff came to the pastor and said, hey, so-and-so from so-and-so church wants a job. He said, don't talk to him, don't do anything. i got to talk to the pastor first. So he calls the pastor and gets a, his voicemail message and leaves him a voicemail. Hey, listen, so-and-so is talking to my people. They want a job. I've told them to back off. I'm going to, you know, could you let me know what your feelings is on this? If I don't hear anything for two weeks from you, then I'll go ahead and proceed. You don't have a problem with it, and I'll do whatever I feel is best. So two weeks go by. He doesn't hear anything. He gives it four weeks. 
He doesn't hear anything. So then he interviews the guy and he hires the guy. The day after he hires the guy, his phone goes, bling, and it's the pastor from the other church. And the pastor is livid. He's like, dude, what are you doing? I, you know, I thought, blah, 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 blah. And how dare you hire this guy, man? Do you understand why he's leaving here? Here's what, you know, and he goes off. And this is, he's tempted now to say, look, I left you a voicemail in a, how many knows your tone? I am not real good at this, okay? I'm just saying, I need work, all right? So if you think, hey, you know, Pastor Brett's got it all together, you thinking wrong. Because I'm working on myself on this. God's working on I mean, my tone will automatically, I don't even know it's going up. I can play another octave and don't even realize I'm doing Beethoven over here. And she can catch it, but I don't even hear it. Because I'm just numb to it. You know, I'm just, you know? So anyway, he's, he's going off, and he's tempted on the phone to say, Hey, dude, you didn't call me back. But he starts realizing that what would Jesus, how would Jesus handle this? And so he lets this guy vent, and he says, Listen, I, I did leave you a voicemail, but I realize. And the guy said, my com- Our stuff, our communication, my phones have been off sync. Everything's been for a month now. We haven't had right so that explains the answer. And he's like, I thought we had already talked about this. And he goes, look, I, I'm totally sorry. It's totally my fault. I should have waited till I heard from you. I should have tried to call you again, and I didn't. I, I really dropped the ball on this. Would you just please forgive me? It will never happen again. And the other pastor, his tone changed instantly and said, you know what? I'm sorry for just going off. I, I know you better than that. I know you would have tried, and it's all good. And so they prayed with one another, they reconciled, and it was never mentioned again. See, they both think that they were right, and in cases, depending on what side you heard, they both were. But there are circumstances where they both played a part. See, two people decided to humble themselves and honor the other person in the relationship above their self to just be right. What would God do in our hearts if we would say, God... Could you use me that way? Could I not only be a peacekeeper, but a peacemaker? So how do we apologize with integrity? There's a right way, and there's a wrong way. Let me just give you the example of the wrong way. Okay, honey, why are you going so psycho on me right now? That's a wrong way. Here's here's the right way. We're going to give you five things that are going to help you to apologize with integrity, okay? So if you've been the offender and you need to get forgiveness, we're going to help you with that this morning. Here's number one. Admits to specific actions and attitudes. In other words, just saying, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I yelled at you. I, I shouldn't have raised my voice. I'm sorry I, I jumped to a conclusion. Would you please forgive me? I didn't call you, and I should have. That's my fault. I should have gotten in touch with you. You know, whatever the case is, be specific. Uh, some will say, I didn't do anything, so I can't do that. And let me just tell you this. It's often what we didn't do that requires the apology. There are two categories of sin. I want you to listen. The first one is sins of commission, things that we did. We knew they were wrong. We did them anyway, okay? Things that we committed, acts that we did, those were wrong. Those were sins of commission. The second thing is sins of omission, things that we should have done, but we didn't. In other words, things that God said you need to do this, and we said no. Those are wrong too. Are you with me? Say amen to that. Both need apologies. Both are contributors. 
You know, maybe it's, look, I'm sorry I didn't protect you. I should have. I'm sorry I've been so busy and I've neglected you. I'm sorry I've taken you for granted. Have you ever been taken for granted or taken someone else for granted? That's easy to do because sometimes we love each other so much we spoil each other. You know, uh, and sometimes we just think, oh, it's just kind of the way it is. And you get out there and find out, well, that's not the way it is. You know, I, I sometimes I'll get a, you know, I'll go away. I'm speaking or doing whatever and come back and I'll tell Kim, I said, you know, I really appreciate you um, because I'm, you know, just when you get away, what's that saying? Absence makes the heart grow fonder, not just fonder because I'm away, but the things that they do that you when you're away, you notice you miss them because they're not there to do them. You know, those kind of things. Um, that's an amazing thing. Here's number two. <clears throat> excuse me don't make excuses don't make excuses maybe you're a guy and you got lured into looking things that you shouldn't don't blame anybody own it for yourself repent and apologize well here's reasons here's the contributing factors this is why scratch all those remember two parts you're going to own your part god gave you a way out and you didn't take it you were tricked by the enemy you didn't take it so you need to be aware of that, own up to it, be done with it, move on. How many are with me? Okay, because I didn't want to lose you. <laughs> okay, uh, say you're, you know, maybe because, you know, maybe you're a, a lady and you like, um, dun, da, 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 charge it. Maybe you like to go to the mall and do all that and say, the only reason I spend all the money because he doesn't give me any. Well, no, that's no excuses. If you don't have any money and you have a lot of debt because you've, maxed out credit cards whether you're a guy or a girl or both together that's just being materialistic and really not playing things smart because you know there's people out there these companies survive because they want you to be in debt why does the same company you ever think about that how many get in a week's time same advertisements or from the same charge card i mean multiple why are they spending that kind of money somebody wants you to be in debt because they're going to make money on you if you use their card or use their service if you're not smart. Um, so anyway, um, I work very hard at trying to, to be who I'm supposed to be for my family just because that's part of what I, I love to do. But my kids, as they were all little, when I would come home, and to this day, even my, my 25-year-old son, he'll, he'll come in from work. He'll find me in the house, come over and give me a hug. Love you, Dad. Love you, too. Love that. I mean, that just, like, charges my battery. He doesn't, he'll do that. It doesn't matter if his friends are there. He doesn't care. That's just part of my, all my kids will do that. that. You know, and that's, I love that. But that didn't just happen. That happened because we build that relationship. That didn't just happen by osmosis. That happened because when they were little, they would say things like, you know, Dad, you never have time with us. We're always at the church. You know, and I got this 28-year-old beautiful young lady is going to be married here in a month. She, she got long, dark hair and those dark brown eyes, and she'd be like, Dad, we never do nothing. So I had to do something. So then I started doing things where I started taking them all on dates. I started going on dates with my daughters, I, just me and them. We'd just go on dates. I'd open the, listen to me, guys, I'd open the door for them. I'd get them out of their car seat. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, and my, I went on dates with my boys, just hangout time, just me and the boys, man. We're just going to do some stuff. We're just going to do some, you know, you know, whatever. 
But we're going to spend some time together. We're going to do that kind of thing. And I would teach him. I would tell my daughters, oh, you guys, are, you're so beautiful, so good. And I'd, you know, I'd make sure that I would serve them. I would get them everything they could. Why? Because I'm building some. I'm going somewhere. And so my daughters need to know that they're valued. And so do my boys. And see, what we are doing is trying to say, all right, now I could sit there and say, there's times when she would come to me and those big brown eyes would be looking at me, Daddy, play with me! And Zach would come, let's wrestle, let's wrestle. And, you know, boys don't even wait. You walk in their room, they're waiting to ambush you. You know, one is on the top bunk under the covers while the other's distracting you, and then they jump on you, ah! and, you know, the wrestle is on. And so they're just wanting something. But when they, you know, I want the, why, why, why? okay. So when you begin to do those kind of things, I could argue with them. I'm not in the mood. I've worked hard all day. I just came back from the hospital. Honey, I'm beat. I could say that, and probably there's times that I did say that. But then you look into their face. Can I say the relationship that you'll have with your children, you got to take what you can, you got to do that now. And look in their face, and she'd be, I'm telling you, beat tired. I drank make-believe tea. Probably had a bonnet on, <laughs> whatever, played house, you know, and we played daddy in the backyard and all of these games. And sometimes I would be tired and I would look and there would be my wife. She would be watching us play and she would be smiling. And we would have so much fun. And they would be kind of like Buddy the Elf. We're going to eat cookie dough and we're going to go sledding and we're going to do this. And, you know, they have all this list. Let's do this. And sometimes, but I could argue, I can't, I can't. Or I could say, in their world, that's how they view it. Now, you need to hear what I just said. They don't understand all the obligations and all the things that I had to do and all of I could be tired. They don't get that. Maddie had told me, Daddy, don't worry. If you just need money, you just take that card, put it in that one machine. It spits money out at you. Just go there. I remember going through the drive-thru once, and it was either Maddie or Mal had said, we were getting some things. Well, I guess I, I'm hungry. I said, honey, we're not going to get, we have just a limited budget right now. We're going to get this stuff right here off the dollar menu. And, and Maddie said, I could look at him and tell him how cute I am. You know, she was just, she was just like four or something, you know. And I'm like, well, dear, you're cute. They'd probably give you the restaurant, but we're not going to do that. But again, you know, in their world, they just want time. So I just want to spend that time because I'm, I'm meeting what they understand. Here's number three. Accept the consequences. Accept the consequences. So often if we've done something wrong, there are consequences with that. If you've gossiped or lied about your friend and they found out, then they're probably a little slower to tell you something because they don't want that to get around. So that has to be built back up. That trust has to be built back up. So no matter what it is, sometimes there's, con- if, you know, you, you just build that back up. Now, I, when I say that, that sounds easy, and oftentimes that's not easy, but it is a fact. You got to you got to spend the time to make that work. okay? because if you've admitted this is my part, you know, whatever it's going to take, I'm going to prove that to you by my actions. okay? and we're going to get to that in a second. So accept the consequences. Um, Say you're a teenager and you're not the greatest driver and you've been texting while you've been driving. You know, that's against the law, by the way. But you wreck your car and your parents go, "Okay, your driving privileges are gone for three months. You're not driving anywhere. Don't whine about it. That's the consequence. It could be six months. Matter of fact, if that was the case, you could have had your license taken away. 
So, you know, there are consequences. You just have to understand, okay, I'm going to walk through those um, and do what God has asked me to do. All right? Here's number four. That kind of goes with number three. Change your behavior. You're going to need to make necessary changes because if you don't change, nothing else will. If you don't make the changes, nothing else will. You need to get around people that will encourage you, people that... um, will lift you up people that are you know wow i want to who who you hang out with does matter i mean it really does you can say no but it does because you know there's people that i've watched that were uh, i'm just saying they, they seemed like you know i was a youth pastor for years good kids and they'd kind of get around kids that were doesn't mean they were bad kids but not great influences they didn't have you know great influences in their life and, and little by little you would start seeing this good kid start to be Uh, changing over and he was doing things that he shouldn't be doing because all the crowd that he was doing or hanging with were doing that it doesn't matter who you hang with hang around people that will iron sharpens iron that you know hey this is where i want to go this is what i want to do hang out with those people and start you know don't you know uh just just listen sometimes you know i have a tendency that i you know i want i want to to talk because i'm a preacher so i want to talk sometimes i just need to shut up just need to sit there and observe just need to sit there and go, oh, that's oh, I need to do that. I need to do that. But get around people that will help you, that will encourage you. That's why we love small groups here at TLC, because small groups will help you. They'll, they'll build you up. You'll get with other people, and when you're down, they'll help you get back up. They'll pray with you. Life change happens in small groups. Here's our last one for this morning. Ask for forgiveness. It's got to be something that you mean. Now, I'm just going to say, I love all my kids. Love them. Do anything for them. But there have been times we've been like, you cannot have a cookie. You cannot have a cookie before lunch. No cookies before lunch. None. Got it? Got it. Come down the steps. What are you doing? I'm sorry. (laughs) I told you no cookies before lunch. I was getting one for you. Now we have to deal with lying. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, I, we've all, you know, it has to be more than just, I'm sorry I'm caught. It has to be, I'm sorry. Okay? There's a lot of times people are just sorry they're caught, but it has to be, I'm, I'm sorry. I want to change that. And then you start walking that out, and you just, could you forgive me for that? I'm, I'm going to show you that I really mean I am sorry. So you begin to be real and you prove that by the changes that you've made. You know, proof is in the fruit. Uh, we would say when I was growing up, proof is in the pudding. But it's in the fruit. Pudding, fruit, whatever. You're going to show that by your actions, by your personality demonstrating I've made a change. I've turned a corner. I'm not doing that anymore. The traits I'm picking up, I'm doing more. My habits are changing. I'm getting right. This is bad. This is good. I'm doing this. I'm more disciplined. I'm, I'm hanging out with people that will keep me accountable. Those kind of things. An attitude of humility. Now I'm going to tell you a story and, and then we'll wind this thing up. I told you last week about my father. He was the king of uh captain stingy i mean he could he can make a dollar stretch and he would if you remember i told you he wouldn't 
uh, bring the stash that he had in his trunk into the house. He'd go to the house of the party he was attending first to see what was there to see if he needed to bring anything in. If there was an abundance, just leave mine in the car. And then God, you know, now he's been very generous and we've teased him about that and all that kind of stuff. I talked to you about that last week. And, and you know, my dad may listen to this and he knows how much I, I love him. And God has just changed his heart. When I was growing up, my dad was always a good father. Always. I mean, he, he never mistreated me, although he did spank a lot harder than my mother. I will say this. We in our house, we got spanked. We did something wrong. We got spanked. I mean, not the first time. I mean, but if it was like, you know, I told you we got spanked. We spanked our kids when we were growing up. And I know this is on tape. So, you know, whoever doesn't like that, please forgive me. But we we did spank our kids. We're not sorry for that. We're just sorry you don't like that. Um, but our, I think our kids turned out well. So um, we, we've done what we believe God has told us to do. But with my father, I just wanted to be close to him. That's all. I mean, in, in, my, in the life of most boys and even most girls, um, and I heard this on the way to church today, you know, it is the father, the male, that, that tells the identity of the baby. Did you know that? The female has no say in the identity of the baby. It's from the male. The chromosome the male gives of it will be a boy or a girl. And, and to this day, we, that identity, I think they're so, so important for a father to be a father. Um, anybody can, you know, uh, I guess, get someone pregnant or, or that kind of I'm, But I'm talking about being a dad. I'm talking about being a father um, and, and nurturing and, and that relationship with mom, showing them how to uh, treat, you know, mom and as the wife and, and how to treat each other and respect them. I just wanted to be close to my dad. My dad didn't mistreat my mom. My dad wasn't always saved, but he was still a good dad. He was a great provider. He always worked. And I just wanted to be close to him. But I felt very much like I was in the way because he was he was very hard worker. He was very good at that. And he worked very hard and he was always on edge. Does that help? You know, and I'd come I'd say, hey, dad, can we throw the football? Oh, maybe when I get home all day long, I would be out in my yard with a football, throwing it up in the air, just waiting for 430 to come for my dad to come home. My dad would come home, and I'd be like any kid. I wouldn't even wait. Hey, Dad, let's go, let's go, let's go. Come on, come on, Dad, you ready? We're going to throw the football. And he'd be like, no, son, I just got home. Now, I'm telling you, I just lived this the other day. I'm working on messages and everything, and Maddie's needing softball batting practice. Daddy, can we play? Can you go out with, you know, and I'm like, honey, I... I can we do it some other time? I mean, I'm really kind of busy. I'm trying to concentrate and get all this stuff done. And then, you know... Sure. So then, you know what my mind does? It immediately does this. And I can see me going, come on, Dad. Come on, Dad. Let's go, Dad. And I got this line. And although, but at the time, hey, I put a roof over your head, food in your mouth, shoes on your feet. I don't want to throw the football right now. Give your dad a chance to rest. Leave me alone. Not, and he didn't mean it bad. He's just tired. He just got home. I didn't even give him a chance to do anything. But my mind went back there. So she already walked away. So then I went over and I said, Maddie, come on, let's go outside. And she immediately went from this to. So we went outside for about half hour, 45 minutes. We, you know, I give her some, we did some softball stuff. Why is that? You have to invest in what's important. And now my father, then I t- I'm telling you this whole story because then 
that that made a gap in the beginning, you know, like this. But then as, as I get older. Because I wanted that time now, he took me hunting, he took me fishing, he taught me gun safety, did all that kind of stuff. But I wanted to do things a lot with him and I did them on occasion because he was always working. And so later I it got to be this riff, but I'm going to tell you what I did so that hopefully you will learn from it. I went to him and I was I was upset because it came to the point where I was an Eagle Scout from Boy Scouts. And, you know, uh, when I was in the Assemblies of God, they have a program called Royal Rangers, which is like a Christian Boy Scout. So, I mean, camping and all that stuff. I'm, I'm okay with that. I can do that. I did it for a long time. I wanted my dad uh, to experience some of that, and we just didn't, we didn't have that. And so then when they asked me to be the senior commander of the Royal Rangers at the, the home church I was at, I turned it down because I, I just, nah, nah, I don't want to do that. I mean, I like kids, but I didn't want to be in charge of it. They put my dad in charge of it. And I'm thinking, now this is the man that didn't have time for me. But now he's going to have time to help all these other kids find Jesus and camp with them and do all that. Can you see where that's starting to be like, oh. So then my dad came to me and he asked me, said, I need you. I want you to be one of my commanders. Well, because even though I'm irritated, there's still that thing inside that says, I want to be next to my dad. So I said, okay. But inside, I'm still upset. That's what finally got me to talk to him. So then I finally talked to him and said, you know, we, and you wouldn't do this with me, but now, you know, little Jimmy and little Stanley and little Frankie, you're going to go take them and you're going to tell them, oh, how much you love them. But what about me? You know, and I'm, I'm having this whole pity party. Can I tell you, if you have a pity party, nobody's coming. Because he didn't want to show up at that. You know, my dad, this is what my dad did. And I love my dad because I remember, you know, this is what he said. And this is how this healed. He said, son, you're right. I didn't do what I needed to do with you. And I'm sorry. But I don't want to make that mistake now. Because of these little boys. I still remember him telling me this. He said, they don't have daddies that are taking care of them at all. And somebody's got to tell them about God. I wondered if you'd help me. And my dad and I just molded together then. And I could see what I couldn't see before. He lifted that situation up. And I, and I told him, I said, Dad, I'm, I've disrespected you. I've been mad at you for years over stuff that, and he said, and I should have been better to you. I'm sorry. And I said, Dad, I'm sorry. And we hugged each other and we cried a little bit. And you know, he's, he has never, ever mentioned that to me again. Now, I just told that story. I didn't tell that in the first service. But that story is what blew me away that brought this to life. Because, you know, when you are humble and you say, you know what, you're worth more to me than that offense. I don't care if I'm right. I don't care if I'm wrong. But I love you. And then God just healed that. Today, I talked to him this morning. Go get him, son. It's your Sunday morning preacher call. I'm proud of you. I'm like, all right, Pop. Love you. Love you, too. I talk to him several times a week and always on Sunday morning. You're saying, bro, what are you trying to say? I'm saying there isn't anything that God can't help you with. There isn't anything that if you think I'm not worthy of that, I'm telling you God's going to help you. You take these five things. You might say, I've already done those. Well, then, 
then believe them and start walking them out. Start saying, all right. Maybe one of the things I tell you in here that just will help you, you might have done everything but the behavior. Maybe you didn't change because you're just like, what's the use? It's not working. They didn't this, they didn't. You change it for him. You change it for God. And you get that with him, then it'll start changing here. Okay? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please?